Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you had a, just an incredible Christmas that you were able to spend time in the midst of a chaotic year just to find peace, because that peace is found only in King Jesus. And over the past few weeks, we have walked through this Christmas season recognizing Jesus as King, the rightful and true King of the whole world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And today we get to conclude our series, fixing our hearts and our minds on him so that in this coming year, we may follow him as the king's subjects, if you will. That we would be the people he has called us to be, to live as the children of his kingdom. And so to start the service, I'd like for us to spend just a few moments in prayer. Following after the way the Lord Jesus taught us to pray. But to spend a few moments in silence. Recognizing the Lord's prayer. So that we can truly see and experience the goodness of our King. So I'm going to read a few verses of the Lord's prayer. And then I'm going to invite you to just pray. Respond to whatever words stick out to you in that moment. Respond maybe to one of the phrases. Or maybe you grew up in a tradition where you would quote this. Maybe you need to quote that over and over and in your head in this time of uh, silent prayer that we get to do together. Confessing our need of God. Recognizing who he is. That he is the provider as a good king should be. So I want to invite you to pray with me. I'm going to read the scriptures, and we'll have a few moments of silence. So if you're joining us online, it may seem a little awkward, but I'm going to encourage you right where you are to, to stay with us and, and to not click on other things, but to just allow the Lord to meet you right where you are. So let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done. Let us pray. God, we come before you humbly recognizing that you are the king, recognizing that you are the God of all things. And who are we to come before you? So we thank you. We thank you that your kingdom has come. It has come, and we celebrate that this Christmas season, that King Jesus has arrived and has made a way for us to come into your presence. So God, we worship you. We ask that your will would be done in us and through us for your name to be lifted high. Let's continue to pray the scriptures. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let us pray.
God, thank you for always making a way for us, for the things we need, for grace upon grace upon grace that we do not, uh, could not earn, nor do we deserve, but God, you have paid our debts, and we are free. God, may we walk around as the free people of your kingdom, just dispensing grace and hope to those around us. God, and we know that when we are part of your kingdom and we are doing the work that you have assigned for us, God, that there will come temptation and there will come uh, battles, spiritual battles against us from the evil one. I pray right now for my friends in this room and those that are online, God, you would protect us. That we would find refuge in you knowing that, God, though we may be in the midst of difficult circumstances, that when we are with you, we are protected. We are cared for. We are loved. And we will be okay. You are good. You are faithful. You are true. So we worship you. All glory and all honor and all power is due you and you alone, O God. We pray this in the name of King Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Was the silence awkward for anybody? A little bit. Now, if you remember the story correctly from the scriptures, there was 400 years of silence from the last time God spoke through the prophets to Jesus showing up on the scene. 400 years that the people had longed for someone to speak to them. For God to show up and give a word to them, to remind them that they're not alone. This is the, the angst that is Christmas, right? This is the, we see it in the, the, the childhood, is it Christmas yet? Is it Christmas yet? Is it Christmas yet? This longing for a moment. We see it in the moment when all the presents are wrapped and you parents are tired, but at the end of the day you sit down. And you long for the next day to gather with your friends and your family to celebrate together. We know what it is to sit in the silence and the uncomfortable, knowing that ultimately our hearts are longing for one thing. And that is for King Jesus to take his rightful place in our hearts and in this world. And so today, we get to, I'm just going to ask you three questions. And we're going to look at a few scriptures together Declaring this amazing truth that the king has come. He is here. And if that's the case, if that's true, then it changes a whole lot for you and me. It changes a whole lot for us. And I remember uh, Christmas. Uh, this was been Christmas 1992, maybe 93. Don't ask me really because I don't really know. But what do kids love to do as soon as they get Christmas gifts? They love to open them, make a mess of your living room. How dare they with all that wrapping paper? And then they love to tell everybody about their Christmas gifts. Christmas, 1992 or 93 or 4, I don't know. This is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe from the Chronicles of Narnia, written by C.S. Lewis. I remember getting this book. I have had it. I could not wait to give it to my firstborn. And so Madeline actually just ran through the series this past year um, and was able to hand down this Christmas gift. But it reminded me about what we are longing for, what we're hoping for on Christmas Day. We are longing for things to be made right. We're longing for the king to show up. And if you remember the story of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's always winter and it's never Christmas. Because the king seemed to be missing. 
But things begin to change. And I want to read a quote from the, the line in which in the wardrobe, when Lucy begins to hear about this king. And says, Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall, rather, uh, shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And I'm, I'm here to tell you today that in this past year, we've experienced highs and lows. We've experienced ups and downs. There has been so much turmoil and chaos. We are looking for safety and security. And we're, we often look in all of the wrong places for those things. Because the reality is we don't need safety. We need a good king. We need a good king to lead the way, to guide us, guard us, protect us in a kingdom that is good. And what we know, as depicted in the Chronicles of Narnia, there's a lot of bad things that happen. There's a lot of other kingdoms. But as we're going to find out today, we know a good king. And he is coming. And his name is Jesus. So we want to pick up our story in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, would love to invite you to join me in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Luke 2, the story, the story tell, it tells of the coming of Jesus and the shepherds showing up and the angels speaking to them. We see Jesus lying in a manger. You fast forward the story a little bit and Mary and Joseph, after having their son, the promised one, the Messiah, they bring him to the kingdom. So in verse 25 of Luke chapter 2, we're going to begin to read. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. And he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you seen the king? Have you seen the king? We have this incredible snapshot, this little vignette into the life of Jesus, but a special man named Simeon, who God showed up, and because of his grace for no other reason than to pour out his spirit on him and to give him an incredible promise you will not die until you see the Messiah, until you see the coming king. That's a pretty incredible Christmas gift, if you ask me, to know that he would be able to see Christ. And can you imagine, just imagine with me for a moment, you are Simeon, and you see him come in, and, and the Holy Spirit in you prompts you to say, that's the baby, that's the one. That's the one. And then you, verse 28 you would take him up in your arms. 
Can you imagine this? Simeon promised to see the Savior. Not only does he get to see him, he gets to hold him. To behold the king who would take away his sins. To behold the king who would live the life that Simeon, though he was devout, though he was declared righteous, though he was full of the Holy Spirit, could not live apart from the grace of God. Simeon gets to behold his king. And what happens is when he beholds the king, he begins to erupt in worship. He begins to sing this song, verses 29 through 32, is this song that comes out. There seems to be a theme that happens. When people see the king, they erupt in worship. Mary gets the news that the king is coming and he will come through her. She begins to sing. The shepherds, they get to see the king. They go and they leave rejoicing. Simeon sees the king and he begins to sing a song. And this song is not just for him. It flows out to be this promise for you and for me. It says, for my eyes have seen your salvation in verse 30. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the, and for the glory to your people Israel. You see, Simeon had had been longing, like all of Israel has been longing, for God to show up, for God to speak. Yet Simeon had the inside track. He's here. The king has come. The king is here. And he begins to worship, and he realizes that the coming king was not just for the people of Israel. It was not just for him, but it was for the people around him. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you for a second, and no judging, okay? No judging. Deal? Safe place for us? Okay, doesn't sound like it. All right, maybe I won't share this story. How many of you, and I think it might just be me, when you open Christmas presents with your kids and your friends and your family at your house, you do what I do. Put the trash, put the wrapping paper in the trash can right now. I feel like you're judging me, folks. feel like it just a little bit. I don't know what it is. But as soon as the toy is open, I don't care what's in the box. I don't care what's you unwrapped. I want you to put the trash in the trash can. Right now. Amen. Yes, brother. That is, yes, yes, yes. I want you to put it up because you made a mess in my house. You have now inconvenienced my living room and my ability to relax on this beautiful Christmas day. Now clean it up. All right? But what happens so often we see in the religious people is they take this experience, the longing they have for peace, for consolation, for comfort to come alongside them, is it's all about self. But Simeon realizes that when you see the king, you erupt in worship and you realize it's not just for you. This, verse 32, the king is a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, those who would be far from Christ, those who have been outside the promise of Israel. And he begins to sing the song that you and I are now the benefactors of because he realized it wasn't just about himself. So I ask you again, have you seen the king? Is it stirring in you to erupt in praise that your life would be about something bigger than you, for something other than you? Have you seen the king? Now what we see happen in the scriptures is Jesus grows up, Luke tells us that he grows, Jesus grows in wisdom and stature. He goes to be this man who would lead the redemption of the world. And we get all these snapshots through the New Testament of his encounters with other people showing us what kind of king he is and what his kingdom is all about. 
And we get one of those little snapshots in Luke 18. I want you to flip over there with me. Luke chapter 18, and we're going to start in verse 18. Luke 18, verse 18. So this is Jesus growing up, walking around, preaching the good news that the Messiah has come, that there is a different way to live, that there is hope, that God has now spoken into the longing and into the silence. And this rich young ruler shows up in verse 18. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now there's other people around him, and this is that, this next part of the story, verse 26. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents. There is no one who has left the house uh, or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. We see this rich young ruler come up, feeling pretty self-righteous, feeling pretty good about himself. What must I do? Lists off the commandments, and you know he kind of took his shoulders back a little bit. I can just imagine this, kind of like, all right, I'm doing good. I'm okay. I've got eternal life. I have made it. And Jesus speaks to his heart. What we see in this picture is that the rich young ruler has heard about the king, but he has not truly seen the king, though he's looking directly at King Jesus. He has not truly seen him or experienced him because his heart is not being transformed. His heart is not being changed. We know that because of that question Jesus asks. But you lack one thing, this commandment to go sell all he has, give to the poor, and this beautiful invitation to come and follow him. He becomes sad. We see right there in that moment, his heart does not soften. The Old Testament would say his heart of stone did not become a heart of flesh. It was still hardened. It was still desiring things of the flesh. It was still desiring things of self. And he was sad. He was grieved by it. So it makes me want to ask this question of you. Are you a transformed follower of Jesus? Are you a transformed follower of Jesus? Because we see later in that passage, well, then who can be saved? It seems impossible for anyone who has any sort of wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Who can be saved? And then Peter pipes up and he says, um, we like gave it all up and followed you, Jesus. Are we okay? <laughs> Are we going to be okay? And we see who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come? Eternal life. We see the contrast of a person who has not been transformed, who is not going to take the invitation to come and follow Jesus, and Peter, 
And he says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. We say it all the time around here. God can redeem anyone at any time from anything. The impossible is possible with God. It is possible for you to have eternal life. It is possible for you to get, forgive that in-law that hurt your feelings this Christmas. I promise you, what's impossible with man is possible with God. It is possible with God to see friendships and marriages and lives transformed by the gospel, the good news of what God has done to redeem us, to bring us back into fellowship with him, to take us from the far country and bring us back into the kingdom of God. We know what that is in the Chronicles of Narnia. Aslan ultimately gives of his life. He lays down his life so that Edmund, the sinner who thought he could not be saved, wouldn't have to be punished because of his sins. This is the same story that we know of Jesus. We can be transformed followers of him because he first loved us. He has given us his life, and in him we are made citizens of heaven. Kingdom, put in his kingdom. Heirs to the throne. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, what great love we have been shown by a God who doesn't need us, but chooses us to love us, to care for us, to provide for us, to protect us. So again, I ask you, are you a transformed follower of Jesus? Has the, has the gospel, the good news, has it changed your heart? And because of that, are you following after Jesus? Are you following after Jesus? So I want to fast forward in this story. Jesus is inviting all people to be redeemed, to come under his kingship, to come under his authority and his leadership, because he is good. He's kind, he's faithful, he's true, he's for us. So then we have to ask the question, God, did you know about 2020? Like, was that on your radar, God? Did, did, was that one, like, in the books? Were you planning that one, or was that like a surprise out of nowhere? And the answer is yes. The king is on the throne. So what do we do with this this tension, this angst, this longing, why does it still feel broken? Why does it still feel messed up? Why are relationships hard? Why are there financial difficulties? Why can't I seem to figure this out? Why can't I go down a checklist like the rich young ruler and say, yep, 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 woo, good to go. Why is it hard? King Jesus has conquered death. He has defeated it. He has removed sin as far as the east is from the west. But we still live in the now and the not yet kingdom of God. The time between Jesus' death and resurrection and the time of his coming again. <laughs> you, probably, like, you guys can judge me for my parenting. All, I'm just going to lay it all out there. Um, I have a phrase. If Madeline were in the room, I'd ask her to stand up and say it. Uh, but I tell her all the time, say, honey, life's tough, kid. You better wear a helmet. You can use that one. Feel free, parents. Welcome. <laughs> Why would I say that? I don't know. Something's wrong with me. I need Jesus. But it's true. Life's tough, kids. You got to wear a helmet. 
because we still live in the, there's sin all around us. But what is happening is we actually have an opportunity as citizens of the kingdom to step into the spiritual battle for the friends and for the neighbors and for the coworkers and for the family members all around us. For those who we have not even yet met, we get to step into battle, put on the helmet when life gets hard, and declare and erupt in worship that Jesus is king. And if he is king, then he is good. And if he is good, then this is all going to work out in the end. We get to step into that every day of our lives. But I want us to understand something. How can we step out of 2020 into 2021? It's not trying to be better. It's not trying to fix all of ourselves. It's realizing that King Jesus is the only hope that we have. And because of that, it changes everything. It transforms us. That same baby who was laid in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes and was held and nurtured and talked to like a little baby, like parents do to kids, grew up to be a man. And that man took our sins upon himself and he died on the cross. And he promised us that one day, he would return. The king is coming. The king has come and the king is coming. And oh my goodness, do I long for that. We still feel the longing in our hearts and we are hoping and praying that King Jesus returns someday soon. Because this isn't how it all should be. And we find in Revelation 19, I invite you to turn there with me. This incredible picture of King Jesus. Just like Simeon was promised, you will see the king. We have a promise here that one day the king will return. He will return. We have this picture, Revelation 19, verse 11. And it says this. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. This is King Jesus. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, because he is the king, the worthy one. And he has a name written on it that no one knows but himself, because he is so holy, he is so hallowed, he is so set apart. And he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God, who was from the beginning, is now, and will forever be the word. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh... He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the King who laid low, that we come to adore, that we now see in this beautiful picture in the book of Revelation, stands the King who we are unworthy to be in His presence, but yet a King who leads us 
A king who fights for us, a king who protects us, a king who will never leave you, he will never forsake you, a king who is, we see the promises of scripture, he has gone to prepare a place for you. I ask again, are you a transformed follower of Jesus? Have you seen him? Have you experienced the goodness of him? Have you experienced his grace? that we celebrated today through communion, the taking of the bread and the juice, to be remembered that that king died for us, that that king took your sins and your debt and paid it. You are free citizens of the kingdom, no longer slaves to sin, but we have the honor, we have the opportunity to be subjects to the king surrendered, life laid down. It is not about me. And in fact, the invitation still stands today. Come and follow me. Come and be changed and transformed and follow after me. Everywhere you go to your homes, your workplace, your neighborhood, when you're at Meyer shopping, when you are wherever God places you that day at that moment with that breath in your lung is an opportunity for us to be king, to be citizens of the kingdom. Jesus is coming again. And I know many of you have had a year. And here's what I know. Next year will be like every other year. It will be full of ups and downs. It will be full of things you can change and things you cannot change. It will be full of highs and lows. It will be full of births and it will be full of deaths. But one thing never changes. This one thing. King Jesus is reigning on the throne. And because of that, I want to ask you, have you seen him? Because when you see him, I'm going to ask you this next question. Will you worship the king? Will you worship the king? every breath in your lungs, every thought of your mind, every action of your body, will you worship him? It's not just gathering and singing. It's every part of us to be citizens, to be subjects of the king. And like every Christmas season, we try to look through, we try to look through the season as children. That we would have a faith like a child. Because in some ways these things don't make sense. How would God come in a baby? And how can God come again though we see all this brokenness? I'm inviting you to, to have faith like a child. To trust. To be transformed by Jesus. And so just like a Christmas story can spark an imagination in a young boy that would spark hope. Now, huh. There's a different way. There's a different way. I want us to end this Christmas season to end this year as a church family and read a children's story with you, if I may. From the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's my favorite uh, kid's Bible. Uh, and every time I read it it, 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 it messes with me. It stirs my heart because this isn't how it should be. But I hope and I trust 
And I long for the day knowing that King Jesus will return. It's from the book of Revelation 21, retold by Sally Lloyd-Jones from the Jesus Storybook Bible. I see a throne, and on the throne is a king, and the king is Jesus. All around the throne are people bowing down. They're giving him treasures. There are loud cheers and clapping and clapping and bright laughter like a thousand waterfalls. And everyone burst out singing a new song because you can't not worship when you see the king. It's a terrible grammatical sentence. But you can't. You have to worship when you see the king. This is our king, the lamb who died. So we don't have to. Our rescuer, all honor and glory forever and ever. And every creature everywhere in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea joins in. And then from all around, a wide, immense, beautiful silence. And I see Satan, God's horrible enemy, thrown down and defeated. And I see a sparkling city shimmering in the sky, glittering, glowing, coming down from heaven and from the sky. Heaven has come down to earth. God's city is beautiful. Walls of topaz, jasper, sapphire, wide streets paved with gold, gleaming pearl gates that are never locked shut. Where's the sun? Where's the moon? They aren't needed anymore. God is all the light people need. No more darkness. No more night. And the king says, look, God and all his children are together again. No more running away or hiding. No more crying or being lonely or afraid. No more sick or dying. Because all those things are gone. Yes, they are gone forever. Everything sad has come untrue. And see, I have wiped away every tear from every eye. And then a deep, beautiful voice that sounded like thunder in the sky says, Look, I am making everything new. He is king. He's on his throne. There is hope for whatever you find yourself in. And I invite you, church, brothers and sisters of the king, children bought with a price, a heavy price, the son of God dying for your sins. I invite you we have some other brothers and sisters to bring into the kingdom. We have some friends who are in the dark and have lost their way and are afraid and they are hurting and they, they need the king. May we worship him. May we be transformed and follow him into those places so that we can help our brothers and sisters see him.
He is king and he is reigning. May 2021 be a year where we see the kingdom of God in every part of our lives. God, we worship you. There is no response other than that. To worship you, to honor you, because all glory and all honor is yours. And God, I, I ask you, you ask us to come, I ask you to come soon. I ask you to redeem and you save many to find life in you, but I ask you come. I long for your kingdom, God. I long for your presence. I long for sin to be removed from this world because this is not how it should be. For my friends in this room and online, would you fill them with hope? Holy Spirit, God, would you just flood their hearts and their minds that they would erupt in worship, God, that they would be transformed because you are with them. Emmanuel, God with us now and forever. We worship you. We praise in the name of Jesus, our King and our Savior. Amen.